He hoki na mahara katahi, whakahoki a tātou te whānau a te aute monai tauira. We as past students will create a strong whānau unit to support the future students of Te Aute College. Kia ora mai koutou, nau mai haere mai anō ki tēnei o te ahikā, ki te whakarongo koutou ki te reo irirangi o Aotearoa, ko maraia rakuraku ahau. And I'm Justine Murray and this is Te Ahikā, Radio New Zealand National, with your weekly dose of all things Māori. Piri Shasha enjoyed his time at Te Aute College in the 1960s. That's despite staying on and repeating his seventh form year with one of his schoolmates. So, a second year, seventh, Justine. Sounds like a, well, it's reminding me a little bit of a joke. A joke? What's, what's the joke there? Uh, second year seventh could, you know, I think that's a joke. Well, it wasn't. It was serious business, Mariah, especially when it came to deciding who should be ducks or head prefect. But uh, I was ducks, yes, in 64, actually. I wanted to be ducks again in 65, but uh, they let uh, Herbert Carr be the ducks in 65. Can you get it twice in a in two No, well, they, they, they wouldn't let me know. I, 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 he was second in class. I was still first in class. But uh, no, no, uh, Herbert was, Hunara Carr was our ducks in 65, because it was just the two of us in the seventh form. I had two years in the seventh form. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, the headmaster and my father judged that I was not sufficiently mature. It really... University. So when your mates went off to university, you yeah, were still there. Yes. Jasha, one of the inaugural Teote leaders, first 15, he'll be with us later in the programme. We all know them, eh? Kids who were indulged by the nannies at the marae, allowed to get away with all sorts while the rest of us are getting clips around the ears. Gisborne-based businesswoman Ingrid Collins was one such child with all that love and attention paying off. She's been part of a successful farming trust for her people over the past 30 years. I was this younger, spoilt one that got everything, and but along with that came the duties. And if horses got in the cemetery and the sheep got in there, it was You'd my to job chase to them run out. <laughs> but yeah, so I had I had roller skates. The only one in the village that had roller skates. So. I had no oh, friends. Oh, <laughs> No wonder I had no ki- friends. I bet. Well, the kids sort of going, yeah, look at the yeah. roller skates, and she's and- allowed to do that. <laughs> I'm with Ingrid Collins in Whale Rider Country. I'm Mariah Rakaraku. I'm Justine Murray, and join us over the next 50 minutes in Te Ahika. Ko te mea tuatahi, first up. Since attending Elim at Auckland University in the 1990s to her current role as a lecturer at the Māori Visual Arts Programme, Toi Ohoki Apiti at Massey University in Palmerston North, Tuhoi artist Saffron Teratana has consistently redefined what is Māori art. Her exhibition, Pepeha, is a more recent example of that, as Justine found out when she saw it in Nelson a few months ago, under the curatorship of Te Atiawa, Anna White. At the turn of um, the millennium, uh, there were a whole lot of Māori exhibitions and big galleries. So there was Taiafio at um, Te Papa Pūrangiaho um, in Auckland at the Auckland Art Gallery. A lot of opportunities to establish or to introduce um, uh, a new generation of, of Māori artists, and Saffron was one of those artists. And when she was in these big shows, she was still a student. Everyone was like, wow, who's this chick, you know? Um, How old was she? Oh, 
mid-twenties, I suppose. Um, it was just, you know, she was out of, you know, coming out of nowhere and everyone's like, you know, people worked for years to get into those, those big galleries and the galleries were buying these works for their collection and everyone's like, man. And there was such a buzz about contemporary Māori art at that moment, they were looking for the next big... Māori star, you know, the next Shane Cotton, the next Peter Robinson, the next Brett Graham. Everyone's like, you know, scoping it out. And there's a few sort of like, you know, this chick, you know, she could be the one. And honestly, her work, she's one of those people that I've always been in awe of Saffron. She, she's a very modest person in herself, um, but her work is not modest. It's, it's not, it's not reserved. It's just she's. Like, she's, she's, she's just meant to do it. She was born to do it. And she's got this thing that I think every artist strives for where she just makes it. She just throws herself in there. It's like she takes off all the blinkers and all her reservations and she just makes this stuff and it's always changing and it's always immense. So the exhibition's called Pepeha. And um, what we said to Saffron was, this is an experimental painting-spaced installation. So basically what that meant was, you're a painter, um, this is an experiment, and this is the gallery, do what you want. So what we've got here um, are these sort of peppermint green tree forms, and uh, the trees are made out of sticks and paintbrushes, and... They've, she likes to use hot glue. Um, hot glue as an artistic medium doesn't have a lot of mana, but a lot of artists use it. They either slide it in, you know, hide it in the back. Um, but Saffron's really proud of hot glues because it works. It's an awesome material. Um, so there's all these like glue drips and, and marks. And these trees are on like little oval podiums um, on the floor. And in the ends of some of the 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 branches are these clear plastic oval discs that have got black stripes through them and in this kind of forest there are these really crazy kind of lightning bolt kind of like fissures or or light, lightning bolts but um, I don't know if you ever watched Dragon Ball Z you know yes. the action figures. You know, you know when they used to do the Kamehameha, mea, yeah, you know, and yeah. they would blast the someone. lightning strike. Yes, yeah. These are like these mega kind of energy blasts, and they're coming. The blasts are coming out of the wall, out of the ceilings, and they're kind of getting all caught up and intertwined on the trees. And then once, like, so it's like this kind of crazy geometric pattern, and they're kind of lying on the trees or going through the trees. So it's like this big energy blast. And if you look really carefully, there's these tiny little spots of colour. And you have a look. And once you've seen one, you'll start to see more and more. And they're these tiny little keridu, little birds. And she's made the birds out of paint. She's actually whittled them, carved them out. Oh. There's an orange one sitting on there. Yeah. And there's little peppermint green ones. Oh, yes. What does that symbolise? Well, keridu are important to tūhoi. So um, Kiriru live in the forests, um, but um, it's sort of that Kiriru are kaitiaki for Tuhoi, but Tuhoi are also kaitiaki of the Kiriru. So 
these, these, these birds that live in the forest. Mm. So what we're looking at here, um, this, I mean, this is a bit of a leap to make because essentially this is a landscape. So this is what's so cool about Saffron. She's totally gone over a whole lot of genre. She, this is a landscape, essentially, but what it is is it's a portrait, and it's a portrait of her son, Maunga Pohatu, and this is his pipeha that was given to him as a boy, so as a young boy, when his name was given to him. So what I mean by that is that she's looking at those parts of his tūhoi identity, um, which his name entitles him to, so his name, Maunga Pohatu, um, Maunga Pohatu, who um, coupled with um, Hinepu Kohurangi, who gave birth to the people of Tuhoi. So we've got, so these, these kind of like crazy energy forms could in one respect be thought of as um, sort of part, kind of the energy of, of that coupling. Um, the trees, you know, represent the land. Um, these these kind of ovoid um, plastic discs with the stripes on them, she describes as being like womb-like. And so when you've got that coupling between the mist and the land, you know, it's like it's like that's the kind of interface between the two. Um, and also, there's a code. She's she's got a code going in here. So each tree has got um, a certain amount of branches. And each, if you count the branches up, the branches correlate to a code, like to, a, to an alphabet that she's got going on. And if you go through here, I mean, she, she's an app, this is not advertised, this, this is in her head. So each spells out a letter, and as you go through, it spells, actually spells out the pepeha. I didn't ask you what the pepeha was, I thought you can keep that to yourself. Um, So each kind of little lightning, when you say branch... No, the tree, um, on the tree, each tree has got a certain amount of branches. So it's not like she's gone into the garden and ripped the tree off, off, off you know, the branch of the tree and then dunked on paint. She actually made made them. And each branch that comes out from the stem, you know, you count those up. Oh, and it's a code. It's a code, right deep down, down inside. But... The, the, the energy, the, those big sort of crazy energy bolts which are going through all the work are also synapses. synapses. When babies are little, their brains are still connecting up. And um, that's what's so important when babies are little, that we, that we look after them and that we do particular things for them because they're actually not completely ready. Because, you know, and it's so important. So what she's kind of doing is she's likening the development of her baby's brain with the formation of his identity. And it's like she's marrying the two up. So it's like she's saying, you know, you're too hoi because you're too hoi and you're only ever going to be too hoi. So, but, you know, but that's what she's giving to her boy. Her, her fa- the father will give his own identity to this boy. But this is what she wants to give to him in terms of his tūhoitanga. Mm. Um, and so she's kind of lightning to say, well, you know, as your brain develops, take on these, take on these important values that I want to give to you. I'm your mother and I'm tūhoi and this is how it's going to go. You know, so this is why it's a portrait. And this is what's so, like, there's no obvious Māori references in this work, but it is so Māori. 
It's about her family, it's about her baby, it's about whakapapa, it's about identity, it's about all those things that make us Māori, all the things that are really, really important. The peppermint green colour, I mean, most people are so used to Māori, Māori colours being red, black and white. Um, and most people, when they think about tūhoi, think about blue. Blue? Blue. Mm. Um, but this peppermint green colour um, turns up in quite a number of the houses um, in the Uruwera, the painted houses in particular. And so, you know, that's like not just being, you know, in sort of all Māori, this is about being tūhoi or not, and also being located to a particular marae. You know, so it's a really specific kind of identity. Kia ora, Anna White from the Suta Art Gallery in Nelson. She was the curator of the art exhibition Pepeha by Tsuhoi Saffron Teratana. And we've posted up photos. Just go to radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. Click through and they're in the gallery. I'm Justine Murray. And I'm Mariah Rakraku and this is Te Ahika. What becomes apparent when talking with Te Aitanga, Hauiti, Napuhi, Ingrid Collins is that she was groomed to be a leader. Which started when she was a young girl growing up at Whangara and Gisborne in the 1950s and continues to this day in her role as the chairperson of one of the most successful farming amalgamations in the Gisborne area. Pakarai Whangara B5, now known as Whangara Farms, was named the overall winner of the Ahuwhenua Beef and Sheep Farming Trophy this year. Which is a pretty big deal when their competitors, Morikau Nui Station in Wanganui and Hereheretau Station in Wairua, were of such a high quality. It's exactly the kind of calibre events that Apirana Nata had in mind when he founded the trophy in the 1930s. Mariah journeyed to Gisborne in September and met with Collins at the place where it all began, her marae Whangara. What's the name of this whare that we're sitting in, Ingrid? This is Fitidea. This is our tipuna Fitidea um, whare. This is the first whare nui. And the little one next door is Wahotarangi. Wahotarangi was the whare that was brought over from the river. Yes, it was. And um, until we had the uh, scrapings done in that marae and um, found the um, fruit and the king and the queen, it was not realised that all, you know, over the years it had become covered with dirt and just the usual grind grind through the years and you couldn't see any of those and that I'm pointing towards Pakarai which is when you go down the road down to the beach where the Wharanui came from mm, and um, Ratana we realised then that that must have been Ratana following wow. yes, yes because um, the students from Waikato University came over and started cleaning and once they got down and through all the grime you could see all these pictures. So they just touched it all up and, yeah. So what time period are we talking, Ingrid? I would think in the early 1800s it must have come here. What are your childhood memories of this part then? (laughs) Well, that was my skating rink out there. (laughs) So we're looking out towards the Marae We're just looking out to the the front. (laughs) The the concreted maho. And you used to skate along there. Yes, I you did. Said very was... tolerant nannies. None of them gave you growlings. <laughs> no, well, we, we lived over where, uh, just ne- right next door to the marae, and my mother, my my father is Napohi, 
and my mother was from here, of course, and so you know I was this younger, spoilt one that got everything. And but along with that came the duties, and if horses got in the cemetery and the sheep got in there, it was You'd my job to, chase to run and chase them. <laughs> but yeah, so I had I had roller skates, the only one in the village that had roller skates. So. I had no oh, friends. Oh, <laughs> No wonder I had no ki- friends. I bet. Well, the kids sort of going, yeah, look at the yeah. roller skates, and she's and, allowed to do that. <laughs> and so it was, yeah, but um, there was always something going on, and it was a closer whānau then. People, you know, we had euchre evenings. I had no idea what euchre was. Euchre is the card game. But I didn't have any idea then, and then I, you know, I thought, oh, wow, every... You know, every, say, fortnight there used to be a yucca just to keep the marae going. And that was when you got this close-knit whānau that everybody came with their little prize and my mother would be saying, oh, it's my turn to buy the prizes and there'd be some glass butter dishes. <laughs> nice. But people paid their two, two, what is it, two shillings <laughs> to come and play yucca. So we're talking around 1950s? Yes, sort of, yeah, middle 1950s and, and all, yeah, yeah, it was. And and that's what kept these places going, was just a little bit of money, a little bit of money that came from those evenings, kept, it, kept the church going, kept the whatanui's going, and there was an old dining room there that so, got pulled down. Now, this is Ngāti Konohi. Yes. Now... Run about how many people are members of Ngāti Kōnohi? Uh, good question. Um, well, how many families? You think, if you think of the um, incorporations, they started off with about 50 families. And now there's, well, in Whangarabi 5, we've got about 700 shareholders and um, Pākarai has about almost 2,000 and um, 50 is about the same. So these are all descendants of Ngāti yes, Konohi? Yes, they're all the descendants of the Ngāti Konohi. So those 40 to 50 shareholders in the very beginning have grown that much. So, um, And there would be people that still aren't shareholders, so I would, I would think that there would be at least... Well, there you go. I mean, that's four, 6,000. I'd think there'd be about 20 altogether and those are people that haven't registered as um, as shareholders but as descendants it would be easily that many not that many, it's not really a big big whānau hmm. Now the funny that we're sitting in how many people could sleep in here? <laughs> are we talking like, looks like it's about 100? Oh I always uh, underestimate I think oh yeah, mind oh, you people yeah. get a little bit fussy that I want to shoot mattresses <laughs> Um, I would say about 100, yeah. No, you you would get, it looks like four on a mattress, but I doubt it. <laughs> about three. Yeah, about three on a mattress, so yeah. You Gosh, it's just cushion. lovely in here, isn't it? It is, it's so homely. But as I say, as a child, especially that one next door, we'll go in there and have a look and I'll show you, you know, there was no fences and it was dark and there's lights out there now, but as it was dusk, you know. Go and get that horse out. So off I'd go. And um, that Whananui next door has got this lady painted on the inside and that was always uh, the ghost. <laughs> and 
and Haidador and Haidador and I used to play around here. So Haidador and yourself are Haidador. childhood friends yes, and cousins. Yes, yeah, yeah, we are. So we were always around here, but you know they'd be gone home, and of course it was time to to go and chase the animals out. <laughs> and so I'd walk past that Mariah going, <laughs> and then having to run back to and your funny as well. Yeah, but the cemetery didn't worry me. It was just going past there. I used to think, oh, don't like going past. It was our own faults because as kids we used to scare each other. Oh, which you always do. And of course that was, you know, had, it was all full of hay. It wasn't used. It wasn't restored. It was just full of all. We stored the hay. Yes. Yeah. It was. It was not. So is it inevitable then, Ingrid, that you should become the chairperson of the Whangara Pakarai B5 farming Um, farm? Well, I guess it comes from our grandfather being one of the biggest shareholders. What was his name? And he was Dan Tamararo. If you've ever heard of the Tamararo Shield that the Kapahaka is competed for um, every year, that was um, our grandfather. And I guess it came from that. He was a farmer in his own right, and our farm was at Mahifetu, which he sold to the Pyingas, but um, he chopped out a lot of it and put it into the incorporation. So he became one of the biggest shareholders. And um, In those days, in those early, like, 70s, it wasn't heard of for women to be chair of an of Māori incorporation and having all those men, but all those uncles um, that when my mother died, I was put on in her place because it was still family and whānau then. And um, she had spoken to them all before she died to say that I was the one. Um, everyone, all my siblings had left Gisborne and I had been heading to do the same, but she said, stay. And so I've had a really, you know, it's been wonderful, really, for me. And so I Gosh, did. She would stay. have only been a young girl. I was. <laughs> I was. And how was that? Um, it was hard. It was very hard. <sighs> it was very hard. Uh, that was just to be on the committee, and my uncle was chairperson um, for the first eight years that I was there, and then he died, and I had no idea that these the men had been talking and. Um, when it came to vote for the chairperson, mine was the only name that was put up, and I was like shock horror because I had cousins, men cousins mm. that were, you know, older and more knowledgeable than me of how it ran, how a farm was run, and all of like that. And um, so, because at that stage, were you actually farming yourself? No, no, I was married. We were in town. Um, but, yeah, so it was a shock, really, that they had put my name up to be the chairperson. And there was just, there was not even an election, you know, the committee's vote for the chair. And I just went, oh, no, I'm, you know, I have no idea. And they said, well, while we're here, it's time you learned. So, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. And they were dear old souls. Yeah. So that was it. It must have been very encouraging, though, knowing that your old people had such faith in you. Yes, it was. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, well, it wasn't really, I guess, incredible. It was just... Well, it is incredible, actually. (laughs) You know, it is. I had to learn very quickly. 
And so I made it my I made it a job of mine to learn the Tura Whenua. Well, it was called the what was it? Maori land law at the before that. And so I made you know, sure that I knew the ins and outs of land and incorporations and how they were run and what it was all about. And I took that government, I guess, I took the um, uh, the land of the law route instead of just finding out, you know, by mistakes or how it would go. So it, I made it my job to learn as much as I could about that. Ingrid, have you encountered much um, chauvinism in your <laughs> role as a chairperson? Um, not really, no. Not now, not until sort of... Now that we have joined into the partnership, the uh, Pākarai Whangarā partnership, but now we've changed the name to Whangarā Farms, not until now that I've noticed that the men are kind of different. Um, our a men like are generation used to me. Of men. Yes, yes. Our men um, and our shareholders are all used to me and my ways. And I guess that um, you, you always get those men that think, you know, that they know best, and so there, there has been a little bit of um, um, because we come from Fangara Farm. It's all. It's just a little bit of why is it always them that are you know doing this, and it's always first, and she's pushing them. But I've tried not to do that. But I have just realised now that now that you've said that that there is a bit of that going on, and that's fine. I'll cope with that. And what about, I mean, you've been dealing with people that you know over your lifetime and the role that you've had, Mm -hmm. but what about in terms of dealing with non-Māori and other incorporations and other farm, you know, mixing in that business set? And outside of here, you mean, in in the European, yeah, um... When we moved, when my mum and dad moved to town, um, we lived, oh, sort of on an outreach, really, in town. <coughs> Sorry. And um, and then they bought a house in a street where there were no Māori. And so that was very interesting in itself because anything that went wrong, we were blamed. And all our neighbours were, you know, all the neighbours. All the neighbours were Pākehā. There wasn't one Māori family in that street or Why did even they do in that, that area. It was my mum deciding to buy this house there because it was a big house. It was a, it was a five, yeah, it was a one, two, three, four, five, six bedroom house, yeah, and we big. were a big whānau. Mm. and um, and so that suited her and suited us and my dad, and so we moved. And that was why. And, of course, next door we had an orchard. <laughs> your own fruit, your own fruit <laughs> no, trees. No, no, it wasn't ours. It belonged to the judge of Gisborne at the time, who was Judge Walton. And so he used to say, don't you kids come and pick my fruit? <laughs> and, of course, we did. They'd seen a let it rot on the trees. <laughs> we seen, but we climbed through the bamboo and picked his fruit and ran home. And then, yeah, so it, we, we grew up kind of in that um, kind of hostile environment. Yes, it was to start with. And then, of course, there was a family moved in across the road from Auckland and they had no idea, you know, what Māoris were and to be living amongst us. And those kids befriended us 
And um, because we were so big, the family was big. They How many everywhere. kids are we talking? With, with our family, there were six of us. And, of course, you know, they, they only had three or four, four. They had four, but they befriended. And the way these Māoris lived, you know, they just they had never seen anything like it. <laughs> oh, they would have loved it when they all the whanau from Whangarei would did. come visit. And, and then when there's like 20,000 kids running around <laughs> outside. <laughs> and we And our dad... Made us a tennis court, and you know we, and then all of a sudden, you know, all the neighbours wanted to know us because we had a tennis court, and but that was for Sundays when we had church over at Pohorawiri Pa, and we we went there when because we were not here anymore, we went there and helped out there, and Sunday after church it was tennis at the you know at the King um, tennis court, so of course all these you know all these kids from Auckland just couldn't believe their eyes, but <laughs> then they got we got through them we got to talk to all the other people in the neighbourhood, and then we just got used to it and that's how we grew and there was no more blaming us for anything because, you know, our father was such a strict man that we didn't dare do anything wrong. <laughs> and um, and they realised that, oh, well, yes. But that's, yeah, that, so that's how we grew up in, in that kind of parky world around us. And so we were able to... And, of course, the secretary of Whangara Incorporation lived two doors down the road and Arata, my third eldest sister, um, fourth eldest sister, she was best friends with one of his daughters. So, you know, we all got on really well. And, um, yeah, so we... So you were kind of... You you know, you were brought up in a really Māori community and then you ended up mixing in a whole different social class of Pākehā. Absolutely. And it was, but I mean, we never forgot those roots. Um, you know, well, we never did. We didn't have a chance, but mum was put onto the school boards at the time and she was still on the committee. So John, who was the secretary at the time, um, used to be over talking to her about what was happening on the farm. And, and we still came out here. We still came out here when, you know, when there was something going on, funds to be raised. But we were brought up in that. Well, I was. I was the youngest, so really there was not a problem. I, I've never had a problem with crossing into those worlds. So, Ingrid, I want to know, how did you get your name, Ingrid? <laughs> Ask you know, my mother. That's a, a pretty unusual name for a Māori, Māori girl. <laughs> my, my name is really Nia, N-E-A, and, um, of course, when you went to school, um, teachers said, well... What's your name? My name was Nia, N-E-A, and that was Hone's mother's name. It's beautiful. And it is a nice name. And, of course, they dropped the Nia and said, Ingrid, well, I mean, you know, at five years old, who was I to argue with the teacher? Who's they? Oh, the, the teacher. teacher. Mm. Mm. And, of course, so I just became Ingrid all my life. But my, but my nickname is Googie, everybody <laughs> Googie Colin. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's my nickname. So, um, but... You know, it was Ingrid is my cousin, and I was named after her, um, near Ingrid. But as I say, I don't know where she got her name from, how she came to to be an Ingrid. But yeah, so it, I know it's a funny name, isn't it, to be a Maori person? And I'm the only one with a name like that in my family. I mean, we've got oh, Mihi, Mary Jane, and Tepora, and Ruaiti, Arata. Um, Peter 
and then me. And our youngest sister is Thai, but she was adopted. So I was the only one that was given a name like that. <laughs> now, um, should we, can we start making our way to the other funny? Yeah, yeah. Carry on. We can carry on talking. Oh, all right. So um, let's make our way to the other fuddy. Now, this is some view, though, Ingrid, as you walk outside <laughs> the doors and look. Wow, all the way down to the sea. Gosh, yes. it's absolutely freezing. <laughs> and on a beautiful day, I, this is most unusual because when we had both our judging days, it had been pouring with rain the whole time. That was in June. That was Well, the first judging day was in May, and that was for the regional. And when we once we won the regional, we, were, um, we had the next judging day in June, and it had been absolutely horrendous weather. Kids in their dog. <laughs> Getting older. <laughs> We're going in this buddy. Okay, so over here as we're passing oh this is a bell tower and it's got Pikea on the, on his whale. Oh sorry, Pikea on his whale and it is a bell tower that was dedicated to one of our co-martua who was on the um, on the Manai committee and also on the B5 Incorporation. So this is the Marae where Paikia came to yes, when he came is, to Aotearoa. Yeah, that's right. This is the Marae. And this here, of course, is, as I said, the one that was... the Wahoterangi. Wahoterangi. And this was bought here by, in the early, early, early years... Jeez, lots of double doors around this place. It's <laughs> lovely. Oh, this is beautiful. And so there's the paintings you see, and that's um, that's Ratana. That's the way the Ratana were, weren't they? Gosh, they're such vivid. So they're like paintings of plant life that come down from the po. So the heke come down, and then you have the po, and on the po are paintings of flowers. It's like a botany. Something you'd see in a botany book. And those the king and the queen, of course, are the early kings and queens of And then right at the back on the wall is that looks like King Mary and King So if we look at it, it's the great oh the grandparents of the current Queen of England and her great grandparents. Yes. Yeah. And who's the Absolutely. man standing in the po with the is that and a Bible in his head? That that is Ruatapu. Obviously, he was one of the um, early missionaries that came out. Mm. And obviously, from his colouring, he not came out. He was a Maori. Obviously, um, unfortunately, Honey would be able to tell you more about this. But if you if you look around the wall, you will see their journey when they set off the beginning. Of course, there's the lady that used to scare us. Uh, she doesn't look too scary. <laughs> she doesn't look scary anymore. Eyes, but I can imagine <laughs> as a little kid she would have looked scary. Well, all you could see was her face. Yep. And, um, and that, of course, was just scary for us because all that was covered in grime. And then you see Pike here 
uh, but the canoe that started off. Um, Huri oh, so this tells the story. This tells the story of <clears throat> how he and the people and his brother set off, and of course the argument happened along the way, and the canoe tipped up, and they were swimming, and the whale came, and there you can see the canoe. Oh tipping yeah, the up, canoe tipping up, and they're gone, and Paikia then was saved by the whale. Oh, so everybody else died. And so, yes, it's the story. Well, the story goes that he was the only one that survived. So I guess in modern terms, if he was pretty close to land, um, is how he managed to survive. And so that's, this is, yeah, that tells the story in picture form of how they got here. Now, I'm interested to know why the king and queens of England are portrayed in well, the best hypo. Yeah, isn't that why, what um, the Ratana people used to do? They sort of, you know, were revered in their eyes, and and so they were obviously the first lot of settlers that came. I don't, I, I don't even think that they are the um, the the present queen's great grandparents. I would think they would be greater than that before that. I recognise that's that's George and that's Mary. So those are her grandparents because they were, that's the father of her father father. and because he's got the look of her uncle David. Of course. And then those two there. Must be their parents, his parents. His parents or. Or the mother, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'll have to find out about that. But this is a cosy wee footy. Isn't it? It was never in use, as I say. The hay used to be in here. The hay used to be in (laughs) here, and it was dirt everywhere, and you couldn't see any of these. You couldn't see any of those. They were all covered in grime, and and, um, you couldn't see a single thing. And when they, as I say, those students came and started scrubbing and scraping, then you saw it. We're now leaving the pa to uh, drive up to the farm, Whangara Farms. Okay, so your whare was the one right here? Yes, just there. And as I say, there was a little coulter in the back. It was detached from the house, and that was our kitchen and little dining room, and it was about as big as a wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> but we lived there. And that's where um, you and your six siblings, no, five siblings? No, only me and my mum and dad. Um, oh, they're all gone there. by they, then. The others, no, the others lived in town. In the house in town because um, when my dad got sick he had to stop working. But that paddock back there, he used to, so he, <laughs> he had a bad heart and stopped working. He dug that thing by hand with a spade to keep the family in town fed and with vegetables and things. Yeah, those were the things that they did. So, um, you know, that was that generation of males who oh, just produced, who just did whatever to keep their family. That's right, and then we used to take them, take all the stuff into town every um, every week to keep that house in town going. And um, my sisters, my eldest sister was there with the other ones and they were at high school growing up but we lived out here and um, it was a backwards and forwards trip all the time Um, I didn't go to the school here I had to go to town school Um, and so I was up with the birds in the morning to walk over the hills to catch the bus at the shop 
<laughs> over these hills here. Just here, this, yep, up and over those hills and down. And How long would that take you? Oh, not long. We're lonely little. And of course, <laughs> yeah. the high school kids. I used to have to catch the high school bus into town to, to go to school. Now, there's a church here on our... Hi. Over here. Now, is this Bartholomew. Anglican? Bartho Barth Bartholomew is the church, and they, it's Bartholomew, they call it. And it's a Church of England, yes, it is. And uh, was that a strong feature of your childhood as well, Absolutely. going to the church? Yes, it was. And um, they've just painted and done it all up. When they fixed the marae up, the Whitey when once that was all fixed up, the panels, the tukutuku panels were rotting because the roof was leaking and so when they Gosh, took and the those tukutuku off, and the fitirea are just beautiful, beautiful very detailed yes they fixed those all up and so it's um it's pretty much in pristine condition now but so going through the um through the township here through the little village i mean at one time how many people would have lived here ingrid um there would have been about 30 30 um people altogether the families were this, not this one, there was, yeah, they weren't all that many, but this White House, that they had huge, there were 16 kids in that family. <gasps> and that looks like the funny that was in Wailrider. Um, one of them, and here's the other one just along here. This is the one where they're sitting out the back in the bus, that one there. Oh, yeah. And that's where they were, but um, that That's house, the one that shows when they come up. That's right. When she's coming back from school. Yeah. And... Um, that one there was, of course, it was a big, huge house there then. It's a modern, new house. That's the one where the bus is out the back, and they go and um, sit out there. So it's really interesting looking at that, the whale rider, and there's so many people that are no longer here that were that are in that film. So it's quite a treasure for us, and that they've died. Yes, yeah, the queers, a lot of the queers that were in there have died. So it is a big treasure for us. That's our mountain. And what's Puke Hapopo? Puke Hapopo is our mountain. They tried to blast that and get stones because you know the island. Which island are we talking island, about? This one here. Yeah, the one that looks like a daughter. The whale. <laughs> yeah. The, um, they were blasted there for, for years but on the other side and carted away to make the roads. And then once they stopped doing that they came here and tried to do oops tried to do the same and of course that didn't work it just was too hard for them and so obviously you know so this is was the council we're us. talking about mm. um and so that was stopped and it went back into the farm but it was farmland but we gifted it back to the marae because it's our mountain and our awa, you can see, just running here, and everybody laughs when we talk about our awa because they reckon, you're what? That's not even an awa, that's a creek. <laughs> and what's the name of the awa? Waiamoko. <laughs> Look at it. Lots of flounder in there. And it goes all the way down to and the it, sea. It comes, oh, miles up the valley. It comes yeah. miles up the valley, and it goes out to the sea. So on either side of, of us is B5 Incorporation. Um, oh, this is, is all part of it. Yeah, because when the, the like the Fangara, I mean, 
The Pakurai B5 Whangara are the amalgamation of two farms, isn't it? Yes. And they're yeah. now known as Whangara Farms. Yes. But they're just, amalgamation yeah. of Pakurai, Pakurai and Whangara. And Whangara B5. And That's as we're driving out of the village of Whangara... This is B5. This is Whangara B5. All this land here. Um, up there where you can see straight ahead. And up as far as the fence line there you can see where the green is that's as far as we go and then where the sort of um, rubbish growing there is the next fitty fitty and we're talking over five and a half thousand hectares of both farms yep. yes yep. and it runs both cattle and sheep cattle and sheep um, we used to run a Romney stud but they've now changed the Romney and it's we're still using Romney lambs but we're using um, uh, what are they called? T tensils or something. That's something. Now, get it right. Sorry. Off. <laughs> Look out, turkey. Sorry, there's an R in the turkeys. month, so the turkeys are no good. <laughs> Whenever there's when there's no R's in the month, the turkeys are fat. But when there is, they're no good. Our turkeys, are they quite a lot? That's my first turkey. I've oh, never seen one before. Haven't you? <laughs> hey, I thought it was a pheasant. <laughs> oh, no. And then I thought it was a peacock. It's <laughs> <laughs> a turkey. Oh, there's a peacock. Only <laughs> a peacock's up here. Okay, I've just seen my first turkey. Yeah. <laughs> it's a chook. I know, I know, I know what chooks look like. What <laughs> was the turkeys? That's a shop where we used to catch the bus. Oh, was there a shop back there? No, it's not. It used to be the it shop. It used to be the shop. Gosh, I bet that was popular with everybody oh, running down for ollies. And then we, um... You're right. And up there, this this bit here, just this little land here, we've got... Um, Wai Yeah, we've leased this piece of land, it's family whānau land, and we've leased it off them. So we haven't actually, um, we, it was just covered in blackberry and terrible stuff. All of this was covered in blackberry and it's taken, you know, over 50 years to get it to where it is. So why is it that you think the whenua ended up getting to that state in the first place, Ingrid? Um, lack of finance back in the early days. You know the history of um, that banks would never lend and even yep. now they don't lend to multiply owned Māori land. Well... And that's even um, the case now. There's a lot of banks that won't lend to multiply, multiply Why on Why is that? Well, because who wants to be the person that closes down an incorporation with, you know, over 1,000, 2,000 shareholders? Nobody. Not but then the, that's assuming that it'll get closed down. Yes, of course. But so they, they always think that not good business people. So... <laughs> You know, and that's the kind of mentality that Māori businesses and farms yes, yes. still have to counter have against. To, yeah. So if you just turn right here, there's a turkey. <laughs> Another one. And we cut this, we're heading up to the Whangara B5 station, Romneys. It's a big fat <laughs> sign. Oh, Richard's here somewhere. And we're driving into the gate. Yeah, you don't need to open anything. No. Um, Richard must be out on the bike somewhere. But this is our this is our shed. These are our wool sheds. Um, usual paraphernalia, usual, a couple of yeah. quad bikes, and the quad. Some of the quad bikes are out, so they must be working. 
up here if you go just through this gate. It's quite a big crew that um, manages it though. 11. It? Yeah. 11 staff, yeah. Is it reasonably big or, or not, given yeah, how big the land just, is? Um, no, too many. Too many people. If you just, oh, we won't go, yeah. Here up, if we had a bike, we could get up to that top little knob there and you wow. can see right over, right over the whole, um, Gosh, it's just gorgeous. You just look right out into the sea. You look out into the sea and it... What and a primo office. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's absolutely... Um, you could go for miles and that shows you for miles. Um, we'll go up the road to the next station if you want to go up there too. Yep. But how are we going for time? Are we okay? Should we go? Yep. Yep. So do all your staff live on site? Um, we've got two... We've got two workers, sorry. We've got two workers that have their own homes, but otherwise all of their, the rest are in farmhouses. Don't go running into some, you can go around there. So farmhouses that are actually on the farm? Yeah, this one, and one of the boys lives in this um, shearer's quarters. So is this the manager's quarters here? No, 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 no. The manager's quarters are down. Um, you can't see the house from here. Look, there's a claw bath. Gosh, if we you lived in the know. city, if we I lived know. in the city, Ingrid, people would be grabbing that and redoing it and putting it in their house. That's what I said too. I said every time I look at that bath, I want to take it, but <laughs> my, I'm pulling out my bath. <laughs> I'm pulling out my bath, so I don't want that. This is an awful road on this is a week. Shopping driveway. Um, this, because of the logging trucks that go speeding up and down yep. this road now, it's huge. You can see um, the farmhouse is down this long drive, but you can't see it. Nice. And um, it looks out straight over the sea. That's another shed. Shearers, um, not shearers. Quarters. There's a, a farmhouse in there. Um, and now what you're looking at over here is. Um, Parkerai, all those hills. Yep. There's Parkerai Station. Gosh, it's huge. Yeah, it is huge, and all on this side. Primo oh, job if you're into it. Here he comes. Here he comes. Pull over. Go left. Do you want me to flash him? Yeah. Ooh. Is he stopping? He is. <laughs> Ooh. have to wait till 2010 to hear what happened when Mariah and Ingrid Collins got out of the car and met farm manager Richard Schofield. Are you excited? Kia ora ki te whanau o te aitanga hauiti a Ingrid Collins. In 2010, it'll be the turn of Māori Dairy Farms battling it out for the Ahu Whenua Trophy. And given that there seems to be a focus on sustainability these days, emphasis will be placed on environmental practices. Should make it an interesting event, eh, Justine? Aida, Mariah. School reunions, eh, Justine? Usually wrought affairs if the movies Romy and Michelle's high school reunions anything to go by. It's usually the whole who's done what, what everyone looks like, whether the school bully stole the school bully... Whether the guy you had the crush on is actually a nice person. Have you ever been to one? Well, nearly. Rotorua Girls High School, they had a 50th anniversary reunion a few years back, but I found out about it too late and didn't go. 
Well, if there was ever a cool reunion to get to this year, because it kind of was one, was the very first inaugural Te Aute Leaders First 15 Dinner, where an elite selection of old boys were chosen who represented the ideals of the school and the epitome of Māori leadership. We're talking people like the Jerry Brothers, Peter Sharples, and the current Pro Vice Chancellor Māori of Victoria University, Piri Shasha. Oh, tona miharo ne ai. Me kono mar pakerani. Oh, kaya kuti wa. Mario Eliwa. Oh, kota kui miharo ne. He he hoki ga mahara katai. He ha ta fakohi ta tau te fano te aute kia hui penenda mo ngai tawira. See if we can if we can hold what's been just thought to be gathered tonight into a finer kind of fano concept. And, and, and become part of the whole Fano Connect movement and Karapuketapu is putting together, then we can become a Fano, powerful Fano, for these students of ours at Tote. That's what I'd love to see. And it can be emulated by all the old boys and uh, old girls of all their schools. Pity, which, um, how long did you go to Teote and which years? I went from 60 to 65. And you I were six... head priest? No, no I, was, I, well, I was a prefect, but uh, I was ducks, yes, in 64, actually. I wanted to be ducks again in 65, but uh, they let uh, Herbert Carr be the ducks in 65. <laughs> Can you get it twice in a in two No, well, that, that's, that wouldn't let me know. I, 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 he was second in class. I was still first in class. But uh, no, no, uh, Herbert was, Hunara Carr was our ducks in 65, because it was just the two of us in the seventh form. I had two years in the seventh form. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, the headmaster and my father judged that I was not sufficiently mature in really... <laughs> University. So when your mates went off to university, you yeah, were still yeah. there? <laughs> yes, they said, oh, you should come back. I think they were just looking for a prefect or a... But, I, you know, sort of like we were talking about first 15. And I, I, I was only quite slim and, you know, small, really, by Tote standards. But I'm proud. I paid for the first 15 for four years. <laughs> you. Now, Paddy, um, I mean, obviously you, you, you come from a very strong academic background. I mean, what's it like to visually see the calibre of the men who came from Te Aute? Yes. It's always had this aspect. And you look, and, and I think one of the things is that it's not only relied on the formal education stuff. I mean, there's a lot of very formally educated people here, but there's also the powerfully informal learning. So, and, and, well, well, I look at the, the wisdom of a man like Api Mahuika, and okay, he's got his firm learning and he's been recognised with a degree. But what you have in a person like Owe, and then he's not alone in this company, is um, a person who's versed in the wisdom of the people, of the land, of his mountain, and all that, and, and of history. You know, there's whakapapa. And because, because when you do that, you don't only become part of your own learning. You have all this other learning that's just there. 
that's and a lot of people don't access that because they're on about their PhD or their job or whatever. But I, ahakotera, kohokira hai hai toka mongati puro. Uh, I wrote to Itera, uh, Kotera Pumana Wedotia, Pumana Wano Wedotia, just looking to all the roles that he's played. Eh? So, that that Tawa Momotangata, not Yotemai. And you see, and I think those uh, Tawira, that way was sown by Api and them all uh, so many years ago. Because, like, you know, people sort of, Miharo, they, they, they don't know some people that. Some of those guys got a pretty hard time when they went out from this so-called school and learned all this flesh. And what, do you want to be, be like Pakias now? And what do we want to clean up here? Like Maui Pōmare and them, going out to change the Māori world and to lift it into the new... That was pretty tough work. So they had to engage because there was a takenga, there was a, a strength and a Māori that was with our people, that, and it still is. So you can you can get all the degrees you like, <laughs> but you know you still got to go home and deal with the people. <laughs> exactly. And and they are who they are and where they're at, and I think that that brings a kind of wisdom, and I think the Teotihuacan leadership is quite strong in this particular aspect. Pretty, um so another side of the the story we've heard some hard case um, stories about being matekai at Teotihuacan. Have you got any funny stories? You know, been five years. <laughs> Well, I, I always remember the nocturnal activities. Eh? There was, a, and, and I've never seen anything as 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 love as this. But there was a young man from Porangaho, and 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 what a, what was always the case at Chote was there were a lot of very fit guys. They're champion athletes. If they'd ever just turned to athlete uh, athletics, but everybody was madly in favour of football. But they were now his name was Ahitana Tutaki. And he was in love with a girl from Hukarere. So he snuck out his dorm and he came over because I was a prefect and he wanted to borrow my shoes. And he ran, <laughs> ran all the way to Napier. So tell us how had, long that would have had, been. Oh, that's a long, long way. It takes you an hour to drive there in a the car. So here's love and passion for you. Mind you, that's the whānau too, I might add. And he went and he spent his time with his loved one from Hukarere up the hill. Just and there's a even get there, he's still got to climb up the hill too. And, and got all the way back by dawn. And he, he, he called just yeah. before dawn, he brings in, the, brings in the shoes. And I said, well, you know, is there any rubber left? I said, did you get it right? He said, no, I had to run all the way there and all the way back. But he would off. And actually, you see, in, in my mind's eye, you know, you're just down the road through Pukehau, down the Te Ari Hill, along past Te Hauke, through Pakipaki, and that long straight into town, and that's Hastings, and then pop out Waipatu, down the road to Clive. We're getting close now, round the corner, across over the bridge to Taikuri River, long Awatoto. Oh, and you're a Napier. Oh, that didn't take long, did it? <laughs> so, see, we, those of us who know the Rory, so Ahitana was a real hard case fella. Kia ora, pretty shasha. Yes, those are nocturnal activities at boarding school, eh? I can relate to that, raiding the kitchen. Hello, Mrs. Stevens. And eating huge tins of fruit and cornflakes out of 
the huge tins of fruit and constantly being hungry. Anita, a pretty shasha, and nor with this week's fakapoki. See if we can if we can hold what's been just thought to be gathered tonight into a finer kind of whānau concept and 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 become part of the whole whānau connect movement and Karapukatapu is putting together, then we can become a whānau, powerful whānau, for these students of ours at Tote. That's us again, and next week, it's our final program for 2009. And to wrap up the year, we're featuring a bit of everything that we've covered. Ranging from the arts, world, sports, Māori businesses, significant events in Te Māori, well, you get the picture. He mihi atu tēnei ki ngā kai kōrero me ngā kai rāweke weke mihini. Hoki mai anō hei te rāweke e te iwi. Māori ora!